Welcome to the Remote CEO Show. My name is De Niro Bartolini, AKA De Niro B. I'm an acclaimed business coach and my moonshot is to change the face of work and business forever. With each episode, we bring you some of the most inspiring and insightful interviews with six, seven, eight, and nine figure entrepreneurs to crack the code on how to build your remote empire and have fun while doing it. Thanks for stopping by and let's get started. What's going on, CEOs? Daniel will be here with another episode of the Remote CEO Show. Today we are here with Natalie Franke. Natalie is an author, entrepreneur, community builder, and she's also the chief evangelist at Honeybook, where she champions a community, listen to this, of over 100,000 independent business owners around the world. Today, we will talk about sales, marketing, community building, and much more. I'm very, very excited for this chat, so let's get right into it. Natalie, welcome to the Remote CEO Show. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I ask every single one of my guests to tell us uh, what's their story, basically, and what made you become an entrepreneur. So what's your story? Yeah, so I was actually studying in undergrad at UPenn and simultaneously photographing weddings on the weekend. I had picked up a camera and thought, oh, this would be a great side hustle and started to build that business. And very, very quickly, I realized that I kind of hit a fork in the road from a career perspective. As I got ready to graduate from college, I realized I could go the traditional path and get a corporate job, get a W-2 employment, follow that route forward, or I could take a wild risk and bet on myself, build my own business with no idea where it could take me. And I chose to become an entrepreneur. I chose at that moment not to go into nine to five work, but instead to build this business. And at the time it was a photography business. Fast forward to where I am today. I built a lot of different businesses since that moment. One of which came from building that service-based business, which was the understanding that we're very lonely when we run a business and there needs to be community. So I co-founded a community called the Rising Tide Society. It was, especially early on in inception, a very, very simple concept, gathering competitors together in the spirit of community and actually finding spaces where we can support one another, grow together. And it grew rather rapidly. We started with a meetup here in my hometown of Annapolis. And within a couple of months, we had hundred, about 125 meetups happening around the world every single month led by local leaders that raised their hand to be a part of this community. And at our peak, we hit over 400 meetups that were happening every single month, US, Canada, and in some countries around the world. And Honeybook, where I work today, heard about our community and actually acquired Rising Tide way back in 2015 to allow me to go full-time and cultivating the community in a different capacity and uh, see us grow. So I've done a lot of different things from the service-based business to uh, leading a community to now working in tech. But nonetheless, I think that entrepreneurial spirit always being an underpinning of all of those endeavors. That is a fantastic story. And I, as I was mentioning, even before we started recording, this was going to be a bit of a different episode because you're not per se the founder of this business, but you are basically one of the you know biggest you know voices of the business. 
Uh, and here's the thing. I want my uh, listeners to understand what you guys do with the product mm -hmm. and how you help specifically solopreneurs and business owners build uh, their business scale and possibly build teams as well. Yeah. So HoneyBook is a client management platform that manages everything from hay to pay in a client flow. So if you're a service-based business owner, you're a consultant, you're a freelancer who works with clients, you need an all-in-one platform to manage everything, truly to take all of those different responsibilities that you feel on your shoulders, off your plate, and streamline them and automate them as much as possible. And HoneyBook allows you to do that. So our platform is built essentially to leverage technology to give you so much of your time back such that you can do the things in your business that only you can do, or you can lean into the areas of your work that bring you the most joy, right? You're not being dragged down by invoicing and contact contract creation and, you know, even having to search through an endless inbox, like no more. It's all in one place. Your business is truly uh, centralized and it's such a game changer. It brings you kind of all of the tools that big companies have into your pocket as an independent. And that's really the goal of the platform. Um, you know, and in regards to, to like who we're serving, I mean, we serve independent business owners. So, you know, anyone who takes their time, their talent and turns it into a monetizable, um, you know, service essentially. And uh, yeah. That's fantastic. And actually that takes me to another question I wanted to ask, because I want to backtrack a second when you were building your business and now you've been working for HoneyBook for quite a while. Uh, going for eight years from what I understand. Um, and so um, there has been a stage, I'm assuming, where you started building a team and uh, and creating, uh, you know, some sort of like a community. Like you said, you're a great community uh, leader and, and, and creator. So can you give us a couple of tips for our listeners at home that are maybe just starting uh, not their business because a lot of our listeners already have been either freelancing or solopreneurs or professionals that already have a business, but maybe they're starting to hire. And because they're hiring a remote team, they're struggling with possibly building culture and making sure that their team members are all on the same page. So I know that there's probably a million things that we can talk about right now, but for the sake of simplicity, can you give us a couple of tips that really stand out to you the most? Yeah. And what's really exciting about this is I'm an expert in this field, specifically remote community building and cultivating a culture of psychological safety. My team, the community team at HoneyBook that I you know, built, we've always been remote, all of us. Um, well before the pandemic, we were a small, mighty remote team. And so some quick things that you can do you know, if you are growing your team, if you're doing it remotely in particular, um, first and foremost is to look at ways that you can bring the personal aspects that maybe you would love in an in-person setting online. And instead of duplicating them, I would, I would actually encourage you to iterate on them. And I'll give you some, some really basic examples. Um, we all got tired of, you know, the zoom happy hour where we just sat and, um, had, had drinks on Friday, you know, over the past couple of years. So instead of creating a space where people feel obligated to come create activities where they can actually engage. Um, this could be something very simple. We've, I mean, gosh, we've done so many different things, but we've even done like 
tea tastings where we'll send out tea to our small but mighty team. All of them get a package in the mail and we actually brew tea together and we're learning. We have an expert come in, wine, chocolate, you name it. You could do something of that nature, but actually creating events that are worth attending such that you can have that opportunity to still develop deeper connections on your team. Another thing that's really important and perhaps even more important when you have a remote team is developing spaces where failures can be talked about and actually celebrated. Um, I talk about this a lot at length and in my upcoming book, Gutsy, we dig into, you know, one of the ways, for example, that we do that at HoneyBook through something called Batter's Box, which our CMO, Dan Visnick, you know, really brought to the table, both for in-person and remote employees. But it's basically the idea that every single week we're sharing our failures and we actually lead with that. That's one of the first things we talk about in that all hands meeting for the marketing org. What did you fail out this week? We create a space where people are able to share their failures. Um, and, you know, as you're building a remote team, we don't have as much visibility into the day-to-day -day interactions of what people are working on. So creating those spaces where they're not just sharing their wins, but actually feeling safe enough to talk about what's not working, it gives them the ability to iterate and pivot quickly and get input from other members of the team so that the same mistakes aren't being made over and over and over again. And shame doesn't keep people from feeling comfortable enough to admit when things don't go right. I absolutely love this. Honestly, we do have meetings where we share wins and 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 uh, and uh, failures, but I really like the idea of leading with failures because that really shows that you know it's not about only you know talking about how great I am and you know possibly faking it too. Sometimes maybe I had a bad week and maybe mm -hmm. maybe that was the highlight of the week. Hey, I generally don't feel these this bad, but today I or this week I felt this bad, and I really like that. So I'm sure there are listeners at home taking notes right now. And, you know, for those of you there, I always say, don't take notes if you're listening to this podcast while driving. But <laughs> other than that, make sure to write things down and, and to implement them. I want to switch gears for a second. And I want to talk about actually like hiring. Uh, and this is a big topic here at the remote CEO, because one thing is building culture with great people that you already have in your team. But when you're scaling a business, you have to welcome new people in in your team. And so my question that I always ask, and I get, always get very different answers, and that's why I keep on asking it, because it's very fascinating uh, to see different perspectives. But how do you make sure at HoneyBook that the people that you hire are going to be a good fit? I'm sure that there's not going to be always 100% certainty, but how do you try to get as close as possible to that certainty level to say, you know what? Yes, we're investing in this new team member and we're excited to be working with them. Yeah, I love this question. And although I'm not on the people team and I'm not a part of all of our hiring operations, I can speak to the experiences that I've had when hiring for our team at HoneyBook. We really care about our core values. And I know a lot of companies say that. I know that a lot of companies, you know, pin their core values on the wall and they kind of just live in a certain place. And, um, you know, it, it's not something that's lived every day, but we genuinely live our values every day. And HoneyBook's kind of a unique place in the sense that we are a launch pad for entrepreneurial souls. And what I mean by that is in one respect, we have a countless number of founders that started their careers at HoneyBook and then went on to go full-time into very successful businesses from you know, we have someone that launched an email marketing company that's competing at the top of the top, someone that did a granola company that's now taken over the Bay Area and beyond, um, fragrance brands. I mean, I could go on and on all of to say, we have this entrepreneurial spirit that runs through the core of HoneyBook, which means that it's, you know, not the place for everybody. If you aren't great with like 
autonomy, um, self-management, um, really bringing innovative ideas to the table, being able to iterate, work on a team, trust your teammates to get things done, you know, that, that might hinder you from feeling successful, right? At, at HoneyBook. So um, one of the things that I've seen us do very, very successfully, both from, you know, iterating our values from the outset to living them throughout the interview process, to highlighting members of our, our team, individuals at the company through different channels. Like we have a We Are HoneyBook blog and actually showing like at HoneyBook, a lot of people have these entrepreneurial hopes and dreams. While they're working at HoneyBook, they're also building things of their own. And we're not afraid of that. We're not going to tell you not to do that at HoneyBook. We actually celebrate it and highlight you on our channels. And I'm saying all that to say, you know, before someone even applies at HoneyBook, if they do any bit of due diligence, they're going to quickly see, okay, this is kind of a unique place to work. Yeah. Likewise, not just the fact that people love to be entrepreneurial, but, you know, I'm an odd example of someone that I never thought I would work for somebody else. As I mentioned, when I graduated from college, you know, I genuinely was like, I'm never going to work for anybody else ever again. And when our CEO was meeting with me to talk about acquisition of the community that I founded, I remember telling him, you know, I'm unemployable. Like, I'm not sure you want me, you know, I'm not sure you want me working honey, but I'm unemployable. I'm a true entrepreneur. I want to build. I get dissatisfied when things are going well, like put me in the mud. I want to be in the places where we're building things. We're trying things. It's messy. Um, and he said to me, you know, the moment that you stop being able to do that here, we really will have failed. And that has always stuck with me. So in the hiring process, I think it's iterating those values early and often before someone even applies. It's making sure that, you know, you're communicating them throughout the interview process and you're being as transparent as possible. There is no point in just trying to get top talent that isn't the right fit only to bring them in and have them not be successful in your organization. Don't be afraid to keep it as real as possible in the interview process such that people really can get a taste of what they're going to experience when working at your company. You know, I, I think that's so important too. I really love this answer. And there are so many aspects. So first off, you know, like just being upfront, like you said, it's very important and like choosing the people that really um, resonate with your company culture. That's great. But really also the fact that you talk about um, hiring people with an entrepreneurial spirit, I think this is something absolutely crucial. I talk about this in my book when I, when I talk about remote team building and I talk about the fact that uh, remote workers are generally people that need to be self-starters to begin with. They're right. not going to be, you know, in an office with someone at all times. It's checking up on them. Are you done with your work? Like, are you here on time? And so because they already are, are self-starters, they probably have some sort of like an entrepreneurial uh, aspect within them already. And and one thing that I also know and, and, and I wrote in the book is, you know, like, that's that's okay if they're going to quit maybe like in four, five, six years, whatever, because they're ready to move on to another position. But guess what? People that are not good at their job are going to probably quit anyway, but they were not even giving 100% while they were at the company. So as long as the person that's working for you is giving 100% while they're with you, then that's totally, totally fine to help them grow as entrepreneurs and and, and as individuals in general. So uh, other things that we do here at the Remote CEO is like monthly mentorship uh, calls with our staff members to just ask, you know, like the other day I had someone that asked me, said, I'm trying to invest uh, um, in real estate. Do you have any, any anything that you can tell me? We own some properties here. So we just literally sat down for 30 minutes and we laid out a plan for my employee and these are things really that a build culture and 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 b like we said before um you just make sure that you work with people that are like-minded which is absolutely crucial when you're 
running a remote business. So Natalie, now I wanted to talk about marketing. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is a topic, a sore topic for a lot of business owners because they're so good at what they do. They're so good at either being photographers or at being lawyers and being accountants. But then when it comes to marketing their services, uh, they get some referrals for a few months and then maybe they get us a client through another, you know, maybe a outreach or something, an inbound lead, but then they can't really figure out a way to have consistent leads coming in. Um, mm-hmm. Have any, um, any, again, like some tips, uh, do's or don'ts, even maybe things that you guys have tried, or maybe you tried in the past that for sure <laughs> people should not try again. So enlighten us on this topic a bit, if you can. Yeah. One of the biggest mistakes that independent business owners make when it comes to marketing is not first evaluating where their best leads come from. That's the first place to start. You know, I think it can be easy to immediately run to platforms like TikTok and Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, you name it. But if you haven't done the actual work of understanding who are my best clients that I've ever had, how did they find me and knowing where they spend their time, you're going to be running on a hamster wheel, not going anywhere. So start there, truly start by knowing where did the clients that I've loved working with come from and where are they, right? Searching for somebody like me, start there. And it, it requires you to go back and actually ask them, do it. But that's truly the core you know, place to start. And why I mentioned that, you know, even in my own career in several points, I've made that exact mistake where I've immediately jumped onto whatever the algorithm is favoring that week, mm-hmm. leverage, you know, what the social media gurus are telling me to do. And then took that step back and realized, oh wait, client referrals are always my best clients that come through the door. It's when somebody else that's worked with me can vouch for the, you know, service that I offer that they're willing to pay twice as much as any cold, you know, lead that uncovers me on a social media platform. And that's part of why, you know, I'm also so passionate about what we do at HoneyBook and with client flow management in general. The experience that you provide to your clients becomes the organic marketing engine that is then shared externally. If you are giving people an incredible experience from the very first moment that they begin communication with you all the way through their last touch point, then they become the evangelist for your brand that no amount of ad spend could ever buy you. You want to be creating those extraordinary experiences so that your clients become your marketing engine. So yes, I could go on here and tell you about TikTok, short form verticals, how we've iterated and iterated and iterated already four weeks into our brand new podcast, Independent Business, um, you know, with our top of funnel marketing content, I can give you all of that advice. But at the end of the day, it really matters if your clients are even consuming that type of content in the first place, right? It doesn't matter if you're getting the best vanity metrics on the market. Like I don't care how many thousands or tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people are seeing your content if none of them are your ideal client. So start there, right? And and really work from that, that humble place of, you know, where are those clients living? Where are they learning? How do I reach them? And where have my best clients come from in the past? Absolutely. I really, really like this idea of uh, of brand evangelists. Like you said before, you know, if if you do a great job at uh, creating this amazing experience for the person, generally speaking, 
you know, we are social animals, right? We go out there and we speak with other people about our experiences, both good and bad. It's true that the unhappiest voices are usually the loudest, but the happiest voices are also pretty loud, especially when they are talking to someone else that's looking for a service or a product like yours, and they had a great experience. People like to say, you know what, I made a very good choice working with this company. It makes you feel good to say, you know what, yeah. I was smart. I worked with them. Check them out. And so I agree with you 100%. This was an amazing conversation. Before we end, I have two questions. First off, uh, is there anything exciting coming down the pike that you want to share with our audience about maybe yourself or the company you work for? Yeah, two cool things. So first, we just launched a podcast. It's called Independent Business, and we're already in the top 50 for the entrepreneurship category. The interviews on this podcast are like, I just, I'm blown away by who we get to chat with. So, you know, if you're a podcast fan, which you probably are, if you're listening to this, definitely check out Independent Business. And then my second book, Gutsy, is coming out in August, and it is all about overcoming the fear of what other people think. So if that is something that has held you back, uh, be sure to pre-order the book and hang hang in there. Follow along HoneyBook, Natalie Frank on social to stay connected into the future. Awesome. Actually, my last question was, where can people find you online? So you can repeat it one second <laughs> so that we'll have it for the record. Yeah, absolutely. At HoneyBook, at Natalie Frank, pretty much everywhere, uh, you know, that social media happens. Perfect. Natalie, again, thank you so much for being in the Remote CEO Show. I'm looking forward to having you back in the future. Maybe once you once the book is launched, we can talk about that. And in the meantime, enjoy the rest of your day. Thanks for having me. And this is it for today, CEOs. Thanks for staying with us until the end. Can I ask you a big favor? Can you please leave a review? I know the podcast app is not super straightforward. So if you don't know how to leave a review, just DM me on Instagram at B. D-E-N-I-E-R-O-B and I will send you the direct link to the review section and to show you my appreciation, I will answer any business question you ask me during that conversation. So thank you again and I will talk to you again soon.